Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide, and my voice is just starting to come back from this past weekend over at the Precision Rifle Expo. But like I told you with the kind of new revamp and we're doing some of the new podcast stuff out, I have an interview on the phone. I have Jack from Quantified Performance, and we're going to talk the gas gun series that those guys run. And, you know, a lot of people say like, hey, you know, Frank's not into comps and he doesn't like this. No, I just like comps that have a purpose. And Jack from Quantified, these guys are knocking it out and doing some really good stuff. Jack, welcome to the Everyday Sniper Podcast. Glad to have you on. Hey, Frank. Glad to be here, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, Just had, I don't know who it was. Somebody was just telling me, they're like, oh, I'm going to shoot a gas gun or I'm going to shoot a thing that, what, last weekend you had one in Vegas maybe? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I knew some guys that actually went and shot it out in Vegas. And I said, hey, I was just talking to him on the phone the other day, and he's going to be on the podcast. And they're like, no way. We were just there shooting the Quantified Performance uh, event in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the Vegas guys have really set up uh, a pretty good match out there. they got a really good facility. It's good core shooters, like multidiscipline guys. So um, they do a really good job you know, of, of putting on a, a fun match that, uh, that tests people out and gets them into going fast. Cool, cool. So let's kind of jump into this. And before we start too deep into the quantified side of things, give some people a little bit of your background and then what brought you around to want to set up a sort of competitive series, uh, you know, in this day and age when there's a whole bunch of competitive series running (laughs) around, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so uh, I was a jarhead. Um, I joined in 97. Um, you know, did all the, you know, various tours and such that have been going on as of late. Um, I got out in 2011, um, and, uh, I left and I kind of started my own like shooting company, F2S consulting. And, um, I realized pretty quickly into that, that I was going to need to get like a real job. (laughs) And, uh, so I wound up coming over to Knights Armament, um, and I'm the, uh, director of sales there now. I uh, initially went in as, you know, on the mill side and working program stuff. Um, but uh, I was, what led me into this stuff was actually PRS gas gun. Um, I, uh, I was getting ready to shoot PRS because I thought it was something cool, was something new, you know, like I've been doing the AR thing for a long time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. And, you know, it's like, I like doing it, but a lot of it's kind of like, you know, stand up and shoot rifles at pistol distances. And that's got its own appeal. Um, but when I was really getting into like really seeing what these guns can do, um, I, I got excited about PRS and I thought it was gonna be a fun thing. And so this is back in like 2016, 2017. Um, and PRS started the gas gun series and, uh, and I knew Sean, I knew the guys were running that and I was pretty excited about it. And, um, a couple guys are like, Hey Jack, you know, you got this thing coming up and like this PRS gas gun, maybe you should shoot that. And, you know, kind of called me out on, well, Hey, you know, if your guns are great and you're a great shooter, then you should do pretty good. Um, so I shot it and I shot it with a 16 inch seven, six, two gun. And I wound up coming in second in the, in the series that year. in uh, in 17, I had a really good time, um, really expanded my interest in the area. I got more involved in more precision, long rangey side that I hadn't really done a whole lot out of, um, a little bit when I was in the core, but not a lot, a lot, uh, real quick. Sure. Who'd you come in second to? 
Oh man, you know he's gonna kill me as soon as I, I tell him that I can't remember his name. Uh, but uh, super, super good shooter. Um, Not Tyler, guy. right? Tyler Payne. No, no. I don't what? think Tyler was shooting. I was, I was shooting uh, heavy. Um, you know. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was gonna say it wasn't the year that Tyler was shooting the gas gun series, right? Because like that's no, hard. That's, he's hard to beat, so it makes sense. Yeah. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, great shooters. You know, had a lot of really good guys in that category. Um, oh, okay. No, yeah, no, no worries then. I was just wondering <laughs> if you were like shooting against the AMU or something like, oh, you know, no. I came in second. And it's like, yeah, you can't, <laughs> you know, who would you come in second no. against? No, not, not that good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, so then, um, in, in 2017, I shot, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, at that time it was like right towards the end of that season, uh, right before the first one, Ash has came and started working nights with me. Um, so he kind of came in. I was like, here's a gun. We're going to be shooting this series in 2018. Had a great time last year. So we're going to go ahead and do it. So we started shooting that and then they killed the series before they even ran the finale. So we really didn't know where we ended up. Um, so it, it kind of just like left us dry. And so, you know, being sales guys and spent a lot of time on the road, we were talking and talking about what we'd done. So Ash was uh, in the army and had a really similar career to mine. Um, he was, uh, he was a calf scout, um, which I, I think is probably a bad word among some people, but, uh, I, I'm kind of fond of him, but, um, so he had served as a, as a DM and I had been a DM in Iraq. Um, well, I had a DM rifle and I shot a lot of things, so I got excited about that. Um, and then, uh, you know, we're kind of lamenting that there was no more of the, of the series, um, you know, we both had backgrounds in training. We both, you know, were heavily, heavily influential in doctrine, you know, for me for the Marine Corps and him for the Army. You know, so he was the guy that, like, rewrote the whole thing. I don't know if you've really talked to Chris Roberts about that, but he's got a pretty, you know, detailed story on, uh, you know, the progression of Army marksmanship and, and how that went. Um, I did mine way earlier than that. I was in, like, 2008, nine ish is when we were really working on ours. So, you know, we kind of knew what we wanted and, and what we were missing from it. And so, uh, you know, at one point we were just like, maybe we'll just like start up a match and see if people want to shoot this thing. Um, so we ran it for a year. And I think in the beginning of the second year, we had people starting to say, hey, you know, like, we'd really like to run this as a series. And, you know, we kind of, you know, hemmed and hawed and twirled our thumbs and then eventually decided to go ahead and do it. Um, so this year was the first time we ran like a full series related to it. So accumulating scores and putting everything together and running a full championship. So that was, uh, it was, it was a cool year. I mean, there were a little bit of like growing pains and learning how to run a championship with that, but, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's where it came from. Nice. Now, now I got a question for you. This is going to sound a little weird when, when you're talking to people and they say, Hey, this should be a series. What is their, like, do they kind of say beyond saying, Hey, this should be a series and you should do this. Do, do they ever kind of explain what they want the series to do for them? Is it just to have like, like-minded matches or are they concerned that like you should monitor their scoring or do you think it's really just organizing matches that they'll enjoy? I, I wish you could see the smile that's on my face right now because that is never <laughs> the way any of that's presented. Right. Uh, you know, it's just like, Hey, you know, like I want to win something, you know, like, you know, that, that look towards, I'm going to accumulate these points and it's people that are really staying in it. And it's not just one match. Um, and I was, I was honestly a little bit uh, opposed to running it as a series. Initially, I was like, man, I'd really like to just run like two really good matches a year. You know, if I just run two really good matches, and uh, we were initially setting them up so they were like 
a day of shooting and then day two is like open range or a day of the match and then an open range. So you could go out, you could shoot, and we leave all the stages set up just like they were. So vendors could come, they could set things up on stages, they could like, hey, here's this new tripod widget thing, try it out, see if it's any better, try this new bag, try a new scope, whatever, you know, just open it up to all the support. So that was one of the things that we really wanted to do initially was I want companies to see the value in what these shooters are doing. I don't just want to see these as consumers. I want you to see that these are your high performers. Listen to what they're saying because they're going to make your products better. Um, and I wanted consumers and, and competitors to see better gear. So that's where we're coming from on that side. And then we got pushed into, well, you should run two-day matches. Because I was like, hey, I don't want to travel that far for just a one-day match. I'm like, okay, I see where you're coming. So we started running the two days, and then that's what went into you know leading the, the whole series. But yeah, it's a, like a completely undefined expectation. And probably there were you know, 15 very enthusiastic voices. And I think if we had really sat down and, and looked in depth at what they really wanted, there's probably... 20 different things that they wanted um so uh, you know we just kind of took what we had seen and known from you know, uspsa and idpa and prs and nrl and you know, all the things that were running around and just tried to not mirror those but take the general theme of each of those series to come up with who we would say is our winner yeah, no, well, and, and why I asked you that question, because I mean, and, and we're, like I said, we I want to get into, you know, where then you went, but it's, it's like, hey, you should do this. But then, like you said, they don't really define what their expectations are. So I, I think this is sort of the, 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 what plagues a lot of what we see today and why people kind of, into in, in your benefit today, in a way, you know, it, like people are hungry for something different in a way and they don't want to do the same thing over. So it's like the gas gun side of things. It's a bigger number, you know, like if we look at what we're doing in the precision rifle series type of an event where, you know, me coming out of rifles only where that all started and, and, and fighting with a bolt gun, you know, that's one type of thing. And there's only so many people that want to fight with the bolt gun because, you know, snipers are a small part of what we, you know, are the military makeup. Well, then you got the ARs and there's so many more of them, but then it sort of morphs into the three gun and yeah. we see the speed, the door kicker, the whole thing. But then you guys kind of go more like you're saying into the DM side of it. So, you know, it's like, well, how do we define it from the DM standpoint? So it's interesting to me how we kind of hyper segment these things and the things, especially the things that become successful. They're actually very segmented within the bigger group, you know, because there's yeah. like 30 million hunters out there and now NRL hunters getting big. And yep. how NRL hunters executed is very specific, you know, and, and it has a small growing core following. And this where I'm going with all this is to bring me into your divisions and your mindsets to address, like you're saying, you know, I have a hardcore group of people that are going to be my voices that are, that are going to be my force multipliers. These are the guys that are going to sell this to everybody else. Yeah. And yeah, I need, right. You need to make them happy. Yep. 
And if in a weird way, they don't have a complete definition of what they want. You kind of have an idea of what they're looking for, but your mind might be because we all fall into sort of a trough. You know what I mean? And we start our, we're in a rut almost and we run down that rut until something big knocks us out of it and then forces us to, to you know, look at a thing, something different. So we move in our track and we're moving down our track in our direction saying, we'll do this, we'll do this. And then usually it's like there's some pushback, there's some movement, but we're stuck in that track until something big blows you up to knock you out. And for what I'm looking at is your core group. The core group saying, do this for me. Yeah. And so now when you get that, you look at these divisions and you're looking at that. So kind of go into how you start crafting this to address, you know, uh, cause and effect, need and, and, and want, you know? Yeah, no, that's great, great uh, lead into, to what this is really about. Um, you know, it's, you look around at these things and, and I, I watch and I've watched myself do it of you, you see this game or you, you see a competition or you, you see a, a problem. You're going to solve it with a, with a material solution, you know, like, all right, I, I want to shoot this match. I want to win this match. So, you know, what is the fastest I can throw this bullet? What is the biggest gun I can get? What is the heaviest thing I can have? you know, where, where I can dead my recoil and, and enjoy what I'm doing because I'm being successful at like this ragged edge of performance. Um, and that's really alluring. The The fact of the matter though, is that it, the, those, those things just become impractical for most other things because they're so finely tuned to one task. You know, it's a, it's a unit tasker tool and that's great. You know, like there's nothing at all wrong with that. And in fact, we have kind of a unitasker tool division in our open division where it's as big of a gun as you want. You can throw that bullet up to 3,200 feet per second, just like most match rules for steel safety. And I don't care what else you do. You know, that's, that's really up to you. Um, and those are the guys that are going to be shooting, you know, gas gun division in PRS, or they have a gun that they had already built up, really made for that precision, long range stuff. And that's, that's cool. And those guys do a great job. And those are the ones that are, generally sitting at the top end of the of the performance. Yeah, and that's the guy. Looking, your, your open is for the guy who buys uh, like a JP, LRP, and 6.5 Creedmoor. That's trick. Yeah. Yeah, the guy's or got 24-inch barrel. Yeah, he's got a 24-inch barrel. He's got a full handguard JP running the whole thing, all the silent. He, he spent money. He's got like yeah. a $3,500 6.5 Creedmoor gas gun, and he wants to compete. Yep, absolutely. And, and and we want that division also because I want guys to be able to use that for another thing. If the guy's he's shooting PRS gas gun, you know, he he wants, you know, for inside of that division in PRS, he's already got a gun for that, you know, and I don't want to have him have to buy a new gun or not get something out of it. There should be some value in what he's doing with this beyond just shooting a match. Um, and then that leads into the two divisions that are really what the focus went into was the general purpose division and the practical precision division. And the general purpose uh, is currently a 16 inch barrel limitation. Um, your optic has an 8.5 X limit unless the bottom magnification is under 1.5. So really wanted to make that a low powered variable optic type of a division. So general purpose gun that 90% of gun owners already have in their closet. That's your everyday um, AR. You got a 16-inch gun you bought. You paid $800 for it. You threw a scope on it. You're ready to go. 
Exactly. Yep. Uh, you know, everybody owns one or, you know, you own a 16 inch, uh, seven, six, two gun or 16 inch two, two, four Valkyrie or six, five gun or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a useful gun. It's not, it's not so big that you're not going to have it. You can take it hog hunting. You can do your general fun things with it. It, it, it covers that full array. Um, and, and that kind of came out of one, uh, you know, look at what the Marine Corps has done, look what the Army has done inside of their DM program stuff. So they're 16-inch guns, you know, 7.62 and 5.56. Um, they're filled with low-power variable optics. That's what that's for. Um, so I wanted them, you know, like that that concept, and that's really the test bed for that of does this give me what I want? And what it really turns into is a test of ammunition and optic. How good is that 1 to 8, 1 to 10 that you have, does it have reticle that supports it? Does it have accessible turrets? Uh, do I need something else out of this? Because that's going to feed the optics manufacturers and that's going to make these things better. Um, it's also going to feed the gun manufacturers and that I expect these guns to work. I expect them to be accurate. So uh, that's that's kind of like my, my near and dear division really is general purpose because it is the everybody can compete in this division. And when we initially started it, uh, we were going to do it at 16 inch. But then as we were talking, we're like, well, I want three gunners to come because I've done a couple of DM matches and I've seen three gunners show up with their three gun rifle with a one to eight, one to six at the time. And they were shooting DM matches. And I wanted them to have an area to play in. Um, and then I just discovered very quickly that we just did not have three gunners showing up in the numbers that I would have expected. But we did have a lot of guys showing up with 14 and a half inch, 16 inch, 5.56 guns. That, didn't feel like they were in a fair division that it kind of it started everything biasing towards 18 inch barrels and and really kind of not that general purpose real category so we reshuffled that and uh, it went to the 16 inch barrel got it got it <laughs> and then your practical division yep so that's really built around like a 110 sas you know like Every sniper section in the military has 110s, or they've got the M110A1, which is the 16-inch side. But, you know, so that's that's the division for that type of rifle. It's a duty rifle, 20.5-inch uh, barrel max, 20-round uh, capacity max. It's the only division that has a limit on capacity. And because most of them are being used that way, you know, we want smaller magazines so they can the positions, generally going to have a higher magnification optics, something in the 4 to 16, 3.5 to 18. That's a very, I mean, obviously there's 5 to 25s and those type of optics, but, you know, want to sit inside of what can, what can your issued guns do? What do the things that are out there already in mass do? And people buying guns like that to do more long rangey stuff. Um, in fact, this last our, at our uh, finale, we had a guy show up with literally his issued M110 SAS and came in and shot the match. Um, and it was a really cool thing to see because that's exactly what I wanted that to be. Right, right. That's 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 the goal with any of this stuff. It should be the availability of somebody to walk out the door of their unit or police department, whatever the case may be, roll into something like this type of competition and not be just utterly embarrassed if they're working within their proper division, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the way divisions laid out. Um, they, they make sense. Uh, and, and one of the things we, we get hit up on it now and then of, uh, you know, people wanting to limit the caliber. Like, well, I think GP should only be 5.56, or I think, you know, this division should only be whatever. And, um, you know, our opinion is that, well, no, I don't want to limit that because 
that is where these things are going to grow. This is where we're going to first see it and first track it to see if you can do all these things with that gun. Does it have a reliable magazine? Does it have good ammunition? Can it be shot from a gas gun? Can it keep doing this? Do the, do the gun manufacturers support it well enough that if it goes down or it breaks or it doesn't, that it's still doing what it needs to be doing? So that's um, that's one of the weird things uh, for some people coming into it. They, they think they've got to do something like, oh, I've got to have a six arc or I'm not going to be competitive. That's absolutely not true. Well, um, and, you know, and that's, if you think about it, the military really isn't saying we want 308 and 223 either. Five, five, you know, if you want to go 556, five, yeah. they're basically, they're chasing everything too. But like you're saying, their limitation is they need a certain amount of reliability and, and you know, they just haven't found everything they want yet to go big green with it. But there's plenty of small units out there that are running these exotic calibers in semi-automatic platforms trying to, you know, solve problems that they that their unit or their particular group sees, you know. And so there's a lot of that uniqueness out there. So you never want to shy away from it because it's all eventually going that way. And you can't make... The argument, it hasn't gone that way fast enough because, like you said, the, the the tech really hasn't been consistent enough to go that fast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's um, pushing, pushing along, watching the pace of industry, watching the pace of shooters, seeing what people are willing to deal with inside of those uh, performance categories is really interesting to me so as this uh this last match I, I got everybody like every single shooter came over shot over chronograph uh got their caliber got their barrel length you know went through and saw exactly what that is and i can tie all that back to their actual performance and uh people will be very surprised in how little gear matters and how much more skill and practice does yeah and the practice is the i mean and i, I want to kind of go really like for just a a, a bit again so there's guys out there who who have great ideas, right? It's like, man, I wish these people did this and nobody does this. And why do we all have to suffer that? And so you saw a, a need. You came up with the divisions. You had your core group of people. How did you kind of get start, where your first kind of matches and then to get other match directors to host for you Give some people a little bit of insight into, well, you know, we had an idea on paper. We were doing this piggybacked on other people. Those other people dropped the ball and let it roll away. (laughs) And you now pick it up and start running down the field with it. Explain kind of how that goes, because I'm sure there's a dozen people out there who have great ideas and they just don't want to stand in the spotlight and pull the trigger on it for fear of <laughs> it failing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it came that way up a lot. It, in fact, our, our very first match was really kind of, um, I won't say thrown together, but didn't really have any you know grand aspirations of anything. Like at first, there was like no prize table, show up. We charged barely enough money for us to get there and to cover the range fees. Um you know, it was, it was, we had never really set up a match from the ground up. So it was a complete unknown to us. And there really wasn't a lot of reference to, to go off other than just experience. So 
we uh we luckily ash knew eddie up at arena so uh, he called him up he's like hey you want to run this match up here give us a price and uh so we went up and uh and just did it you know so we were we were figuring out on the fly um and we didn't i won't say we always made the right call but you know up front the first challenge was that i knew i had a bunch of people that were going to be shooting this match that didn't really know long range yet so we kind of had to teach the the competitor group how to shoot this match so a lot of things at first were really kind of biased towards more uh, i would say long range but you know the the aspect of how you know bulk under shoot and you know and, and that real area of it you know is it's mid-range it you know honestly i think our average target distance was somewhere around 500 yards um and uh so we we initially started off with kind of fairly technical targets at you know the that 500 to 700 area a lot um you know just getting people to understand what wind was and you know how much drop affected things and you know, what you really need to consider when you were going into these matches and you know what having a you know one to eight optic was going to do when they were doing that and um so the the first steps are really getting everybody to know what they were doing um and as we started getting through that and it started started to expand more and more the the people that were wanting to jump in and participate with us mostly came out of um precision rifle but also some type of gas gun background so right. uh since city precision being like a really good example they were, they were already doing some things that a good core shooters they were really um they were enthusiastic about having a a gas gun match um and uh i knew i knew some people from the area uh you know from shot show and from nights and from that side and uh so they wanted to get in, involved in, in doing these matches and then in, in putting them on themselves so the the challenge with it is to make sure that they you know that not sin city but in general you know when somebody comes on to understand what it is we're doing if you haven't shot the match before if you don't understand the feel of the match and it doesn't really make a lot of sense it's like okay so i'm doing you know jv prs like that doesn't sound fun yeah um and and it's not you know that's that's the whole point is you know really you know the goal is that 50 percent of shooters should be able to shoot this match clean because it's all time-based you know it's it's a it's a drag race it's not a marathon so getting people into that concept of you know they don't have to be impossible targets not everything has to be you know a a run out your time stage yeah. uh, well and, you're and educating people too. you were you allowed people to get educated so that the event was better for them yeah you know yeah, what i mean absolutely. i mean even just to, you know when you said something earlier and it kind of threw a a, a nugget in the back of my head i mean you're, you're talking about a two-day match and leaving stuff set up and letting people you know shoot them i mean think about if a new series that wants to start or a new thing or a training opportunity where if you had the ability to have like a two-day match right so you have a location you have the the, the means and the opportunity and in the customer to have a two-day match well say you do your first day and then on the next day on Sunday, you get up and you do three stages and then the match is over. So let's say you did 10 on um, Saturday, you did three on Sunday. Now you end the match, you do everything you like you're supposed to do. And then you let everybody after lunch or at lunch right there go back to every stage and practice and, and, and shoot them again. But admin and like a training concept. 
Yep. So they can yep. learn where they screwed up and it's fresh in their mind. They know what's going on. I mean, it, it, just a small change like that could be gigantic in bringing people back and knowing your series, your events, or your type of shooting promotes education so you'll get better because yep. nothing's going to get you better like doing it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, that's, that's what we want is like, I don't want to be a trainer. I've, I've done it. I've gone through things. I enjoy doing it, but you know, that's, it's just not a, a real tenable position from, you know, if you're going to have a, a day job and do that also. So, you know, and, but I want guys like you guys, like Chris Roberts guys, uh, you know, um, you know, Ridgeline, you know, there, there's a, there's a ton of really good places out there to teach people these skills and, and opening up that knowledge and, and, and having them there at the facility that they can leverage. Um, you know, the CR2 has done a couple of classes, yeah. during, you know, right before, right after the match. And uh, it's a huge game. Um, you know, they're, they're not the only ones, you know, and, and you know, they're, they're you know, we like them a lot and we're happy to have them every time they can do it. Um, you know, but they're busy. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, well, and think about and, this on, on, on from a collaboration standpoint with your core group. I mean, there, a, a lot of the thing, you know, a lot of the criticisms and stuff, with, with the other guys is they don't listen to anybody. They shut down, you know, did uh, dissent. They, they don't want to entertain anything that's not coming from them. So imagine if you had a two day event and half that last day, you're letting people practice and run over and they came and, and you started getting feedback. Like, man, I like this. I like this. But to me, this was contrived. If you yeah. did this a little bit different and then three other people come over and go, yeah, you know, I didn't like this stage. And, you know, what it really needed was you start here and end here and do this instead of what you guys did. And to me, that would make stuff so much better, constantly evolving instead of this broken record of doing the same thing every time you go to an event and then you're practicing for that that same spelling bee, you know, it's the same spelling yep. test over and over and over again. And everybody's starting to ace it. Now it's coming down to who's acing it faster than the other guy. So that tells me you should be changing something. And, yep. you know, to me, your growth to let some of them people help you guide that ship and, and make it entertaining is exactly what brings people back. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 that um, you know. So learning opportunities, but we've got a really cool core of shooters that are doing it. And so it's a really good community of you know feeding each other and taking care of each other and training each other and, and work towards that expansion. So we are bringing back uh, you know some of those concepts of we got a day of a match and then we have an open range day, um, or some of these are, are actually set up where it's two separate actual matches just held back to back. Right. Um, so, you know, it gives people an opportunity to go in, see a thing, figure out what's going on, come back for the next one and, and do something different or change something up. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And in your flexibility, I mean, you have this flexibility because it's your thing and you're doing what you want. Well, you know, Guardian is the same way. They do the first day's individual, the second day's paired, and you get to learn from your new guy because they take the, ba the back and pair it with the front. But, yep. you know, and then you talk to other people and other things and it's like, Man, they should do this, and why can't they, you know, change a direct? Oh, they can't do that. Oh, you can't change midstream. It's like they own it. They could do whatever they want, and they exactly. and they refuse to do these common sense things that would make 
a, a, a larger segment of their core audience happier. And, in, and instead, you, you when you run into these people on the street, they, they just roll their eyes because they know if you go, oh, why didn't you do this? They roll their eyes because it's like, because well, you know why we didn't do that because they won't let us. You know, they're <laughs> stuck in their way and they only want to do it that way. Like, and now I want to get into kind of like your scoring because yep. your, your time scored. And like yes. you said, it should be clearable. You should be able to clear stages, but then there's the time component. So go into how you guys are looking at scoring with what you're doing. So uh, it's basically time plus penalties, and we run on stage points. So every stage is worth 100 points. Whoever gets the stage in the lowest amount of time with the least amount of penalties gets 100 points. Everybody under that gets their percentage of that shooter. Um, so it's it's a and then it's based on division. So it, it breaks out. Um, you know, so you're not you know basing your time off. You know, everybody's not getting 10 points because they were shooting a GP rifle against Tyler Payne, who was burning everything down. Right. Right. Um, Yep. So, so it, it, it relative scores inside your division. Um, and, uh, we do, we do a pretty heavy penalty for having targets not hit. So it's a 30 second penalty and we run 90 second stages. Um, you know, we, we do, you know, retain the, the option to go to a longer, you know, stage, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an, a little bit of an East coast style match, you know, where you show up, you see a field of steel, you got your targets and we're really testing the ability to, get into a position, hit that target or make your correction and get through the rest of the targets, move a couple positions. Um, you know, it's, you know, you'll see your kind of normal, you know, positional movement around a stage, you know, it's, we're not going to make you run a mile. You know, there, there are matches that are, that do that. Um, you know, in very few of our stages, I think, well, I think our limit is, uh, I think it's two per day of a hundred percent accountability, you know, cause we do still have a precision aspect that we want as part of that. Um, you know, it's not just, you know, shoot 30 rounds at a single target and be real happy when you finally hit it once. Right, um, right. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, so, um, you know, some stages are really fast. You know, we set it up so that they can be really fast. We can let people really see what they can do. Um, you know, so maybe it's like 12 pigs, you know, between 150 and 300 yards and go as fast as you can. Um, you know, we've got people clearing stages like that in 18 or 20 seconds, which is, I think is an awesome thing to do um and then you know go down the line and you're going to be shooting at uh you know six if six at 815 to 870 um and you know that's a stage um so you, it's it's basically just that though of it's it's time-based gotta hit your targets if you don't it's a hefty penalty um and scored against your uh your top performer nice now i have a question for you so you 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 you, you got this going on and you know, there's been established sort of training for carbine in, in, in that. So you, you go to your carbine people and they're doing things a certain way and, and they're fast and they do their drills. And have you noticed something that was pretty consistently being done that now that people are shooting your match, they've changed up because it didn't lend to the speed and they found a better way of doing it now that the speed component Oh yeah. Uh, like I had never used a positional bag before I started shooting, you know, seriously. Yeah. And, you know, sure. You put throw a pack on something for a little bit more stability, but you know, it never really been a, Hey, this is my game changer. Um, you know, so 2017 when I first ran, the first, you know, it was when the game changer first hit the market, you know, I picked one up and, um, I watched probably uniformly 
there, I haven't seen a shooter come out and shoot that doesn't have some type of positional bag, be it a, you know, a Coltac bag or one of the Armageddon gear bags or, you know, somebody else's. I think that's probably the, the biggest overall change I've seen is using other items to gain stability in positions to support the stability necessary to successfully hit a target. Um, and then the other thing that I've seen is probably this, uh, you know, a, a caliber chase of, you know, people deciding that what they have isn't good enough and that they need something else and then realizing that that something else didn't make up for their lack of skill and either staying with them until they got better or going to something that was more reliable and consistent. Got it. Nice, nice. Yeah, and but it, I mean, it, it it's somebody else's rules. So you, you go out there expecting one outcome. Now the rules don't favor you the way you want. You get a different outcome. So you have two choices. You know, you can either keep doing the same thing over and over again and hope continued repetition is going to make you better. Or you can change how you're doing it and try to address the problems that you saw in the beginning and modify your training and, and just, you know, I mean, that there, there, it, it's, it forces you to to make decisions that are either going to show improvement right away or you're just going to be that mid-pack, end-of-pack guy for a lot longer than maybe you think you should. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say another thing that, I, that I've seen, uh, you know, to go back on on kind of trends, if I had gone out to a match, you know, from you know one of our first, let's say, 10 matches, uh, no, not even that, first, first year of matches, and asked an entire squad, hey, what's your gun number? There would probably be two people that would know even what that meant. And now I would say 80% of our shooters can tell you immediately what their gun number is. They know immediately, um, you know, what, what their drops are and what their dead space is and, nice. you know, what their danger space. So, um, you know, watching that, and that's the, to me, that's the most important part of all of this is it's not, yes, gear is cool. And yes, you, you need certain things to, to help you out. But that knowledge is way more important than any of that. Yeah, the ballistics and knowing your drifts and what's going on, your range and drifts, you know, yeah. and, and what's going on with those reins and drifts. Um, and, and you know why, especially, too, because on the gas gun side, it's a lot of red dots. It's a lot of holdover. It's a lot of walk them in and, and things like that where you see the splash. You, you, you see what's going on and you just start, you know, stitching towards the target. Where in this case, you can't stitch towards the target because that's time. Exactly. Yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. Uh, and, and you know, I've seen that even at the, like, Team Safari stuff um, I'm with my own because I've, I've been the gas gunner in a Team Safari situation where it's my job to get that those targets neutralized as quickly as possible to give my bolt gunner as much time to make that one perfect shot he needs to make because if I'm only giving him a minute, He's not going to make the best decisions if he's got six targets to shoot in a minute. But if I can yeah. give him two and a half minutes, now he can make better decisions on every single target. Him and I can look at these things together, and it, it's a case of, you know, I'm supporting his job with my system instead of me taking away from his job because I don't understand my system well enough. Yeah, and then and then for that gas gunner to be able to look over instead of telling what he's holding, you say, "Hey, man, you got about six miles an hour in effect." Yes, <laughs> like yes, like just that that communication between shooters, that 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 knowledge spread and and knit that is uh, so important, you know, in, in everything that involves multiple people or, or a team solving a problem. You know, really good, really good stuff you got going. So now, uh, 
give everybody out there like where you have these events, the number of events you're having. Because 2023 is coming. I, I know you just had the one last last week. When was your, was that a finale? Or you or, or um, yeah, so so that one last so our finale was two weeks ago. Oh, the two, one last week was actually the season opener. Oh, so you're um, already opened again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an in and out. Um, you know, just the time gap. So they uh, they wound up shooting that match. Uh, you know, obviously last weekend. Um, and it's kind of their their annual match. It's the Bill Gessman Memorial Match. Uh, he was a police officer in Vegas that uh, uh, lost his life. Um, and uh, so he was friends of mine and a couple other guys from Sin City. So they put on the uh, the Bill Gessman Memorial Match, which is a, a lot of fun. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as the rest of the matches, the, the first one we're going to have is going to be coming up in February. Um, it's uh, out at the ranch in Billy, Texas. Um, we then got one here in Volusia in March, uh, another one in March out in uh, Benton City, uh, Washington at Rattlesnake. Um, then we're doing back at Arena for uh, April 1st and 2nd out at Pig River, May 6th and 7th. Uh, then another doubleheader with Proving Grounds and Arena again in June. Um, ben Franklin Range is coming on uh, this year uh, up in Pennsylvania. They're going to be July 8 and 9. Then back to Pig River in uh, Rocky Mount, Virginia for August. Another August for uh, Arena in Blakely, Georgia. Then in September, we're going to be up at the Sawmill in South Carolina. Uh, September 30th to 1st is going to be the Penn State 8 of the Ben Franklin Range again up in Templeton. And then October 28-29 is going to be our finale. Nice, man. I see, and, and build it and they'll come, right? It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's about supporting the customer. It's about being flexible, giving them what they're looking for. And then opening the door for more people, you know, to be more inclusive and to say, hey, man, if you got that $800 with a whatever on there, come on out. You're still going to be capable and you can work within that that system without looking like, you know, what the heck, man? You, you just showed up with a, with a, you know, Ruger 1022 to my <laughs> precision rifle match. No, that's not what, yeah. it, what it is. No. So that what what else? Have you guys got going? What's up? Like, give me, you know, what you want to explain to the elevator pitch, I guess, for people to come on out. Uh, the, the most important thing, I think, is that it will teach you the capabilities and limitations of the systems that you are using and expose you to other things that could be solving that better. And for the skills necessary to support those and to make that purchase useful for you in the real world. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking you to come out and, you know, wriggle out of handcuffs or, you know, rock 20 miles. We've got guys that come out that are in wheelchairs or one arm only. And, you know, we know how to accommodate that. Um, we run a fun match with fun people doing good stuff. We're fair and we're open and we want to hear what people have to say. Um, you know, we, we have, you know, we make changes, you know, sometimes we're based on unsolicited advice, you know, where, uh, you know, I'll go out and I'll listen to your podcast. I listen to Chris Way's podcast. I listen to, uh, you know, everybody out there and I spend time listening to what, what makes people enjoy what they're doing and what are the things that I should be avoiding doing. So Ash and I, uh, you know, well, you know, when you're in the middle of the season, you can't make a change. If you realize there's something that's not going the way you want it to go, you got to see it through. You know, it's like that, that fucked up stage in a match where, you know, it, it was, it was bad, but you know, it was just, uh, it was going to be that way. But as long as it's fair and everybody got through it, then, Hey man, that's a stage. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, we want, we, we can't change things in the middle of the season, but 
you know, I earned that rule book. <laughs> so when it's time to change it, when it's time to update it, it gets changed, it gets updated. We tell people why, uh, you know, we, we listen to everybody that's got input. Um, and we want to make a fun match for people that is useful and uh, gives back. That's awesome. That, and, and, and that's what it's about. You know, it, it, it's a, and, and I love the education side of it. I love the fact that you're willing to let people grow almost in a way on your dime. You threw a lot of your dime at this, you know, and, <laughs> and it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I got this range, I got to pay for this property. I brought you on and I'm trying to give you a, a match at a good value. Oh, by the way, here's the property. Go, go train on my dime for yourself. So next time you come back to me, you look a little better. Yeah. Now, I mean, think about that. And, and, yeah. and that, cause that's my read of what you're doing. Yeah, that's a goal. Um, and, uh, you know, we're trying to, we've been invited to do a couple other things to kind of spread this out. You know, they want some people, want some team matches. Uh, we've been working with the uh, snipers unknown. We, we actually helped them out uh, for this, uh, for their last event. Uh, just to kind of, hey, here's how you run practice score and here's how, you know, scoring works. Uh, you know, we learned there were some errors inside of that. We learned that there were some good things inside of it. Um, and, uh, you know, as that leads in, it becomes more and more of a demand for people to do other things um, and, you know, as, as feeders to other sports and other competitions. Nice. Very nice. Man, this is this is awesome. Well, Jack, I, that's all I got for you guys. I don't want to keep you too long. We're coming into the holiday and stuff. I'm, this will actually probably drop right after tomorrow, uh, being Thanksgiving and all that. But um, is there anything else you want to kind of touch on with this? Or did I think we covered? Uh, yeah, we uh, covered uh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we covered a large chunk of it. But is there anything anything that you oh, make sure I don't miss nothing on you? Whatever you got, you want to make sure people hear about, go ahead and throw it out there. Yeah, hey, grab a gun, grab your ammo, get a zero and come shoot a match you know you'll probably uh you'll probably surprise yourself uh either what you do know or don't know uh and uh if, if you haven't done it before it's it's an inviting way to come in without being overly technical um and allows a lot of different uh types of success either be performance or education right and you have the website that's quantifiedperformance.com uh you got stuff out that's out on there match rules the divisions your standings things like that you got a little blog post uh, your memberships and, and links are, are there uh, within the website, uh, as well as listing your sponsors and stuff. So um, absolutely. And uh, I mean, what else? And, can and you can also you can find us on Facebook. Oh, okay. um, so we do have a members group uh, for people that are uh, paid members. They, they've got one section, but then we do have a general section for everybody that wants to come in and learn or talk or, or find out about things. So, uh, yeah, Facebook is actually one of our, our primary references right now, as much as Everybody hates Facebook. It is a, a really good way to reach people, especially because we're all old, um, you know, and still use Facebook. So uh, it's it's a it's a good way to directly interact with people quickly, um, rather than you know getting in and running up more and more. We've got a Patreon. Um, Ash is really good about putting content out. I'm really not good at putting content out, so uh, I tend to just get on Facebook and argue with trolls. Nice, nice. Well, that's what I do too. I mean, that's the best part. <laughs> if I'm not being a troll myself, but yeah, no. <laughs> but anyway, this is awesome. Really enjoyed having you on with the podcast. I want to, um, you know, thanks for Roberts for kind of putting us together and and, and linking that up because uh, no, this flowed really nice with that. And um, guys, quantified performance out there. Yeah, well, hey, Frank, hope to see you at a match, man. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I, well, I'm bouncing around, but I, I'd like to get to one. Vegas would probably be the easiest for me, right? Or do you have a Colorado yeah, coming? Awesome. 
Yeah, um, I think like Washington is probably the, the next closest one. Um, I think that uh, the Colorado one I was thinking of uh, wound up not going through. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, no, Vegas would probably be pretty darn close, man. So maybe we can pop in and do a Vegas thing or something, uh, you know? Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Excellent, X. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Go onto the Podbean app and comment. You can go on the Sniper's Hide app and comment. Don't forget to download your Sniper's Hide app if you don't already have it. I was just setting all my stuff back up again because I was moving computers around. Uh, new year, new holidays and things. It's like, oh, I got to work. But um, nope. Really appreciate Jack coming on the podcast, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Just hang on the line a second, Jack. I'm going to get him out, and then we'll, we'll, we'll close it out. Super. Later.